morning, TLC. It's Torin. So excited for what God has for us today, especially in light of everything that's been going on in our world the last few months and especially the last few days. Um, this is a picture of my son Max with a snake. Uh, Max isn't afraid of snakes. It's crazy. Uh, dude will see a snake. He will run up and grab that bad boy. He's not afraid to take a fish off a hook. He's not afraid to grab a snapping turtle in our yard and pick that thing up by the tail and walk it out. Uh, but when it comes to spiders, Max is scared to death. No joke. So a couple weeks ago, uh, Brenda and I were moving something in the water and uh, we had to kind of balance it and float it and I needed a counterweight. So I was like, Max, come here, man. I need you to sit on the end of this thing. It's going to be, a, you're going to be a counterweight, da, 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 da. So he comes out and he, and he gets on it and I didn't realize, but uh, this thing was crawling with spiders. All right. It, they were all over the place. And uh, as it started to get wet, the spiders, of course, started wanting to move to higher ground, which is, of course, where Max was. Uh, Max started to notice some spiders, and he started to freak out a little bit. And like, there's spiders, there's spiders. And, and I'm like, dude, you got to stand still, man. You can't be moving around because, like, you're the counterweight. If he starts moving, the whole thing starts getting tipsy. He's going to fall over. And I'm like, Max, chill out. He's like, there's spiders on here. And then it was true. There was this really big one. And Max is like, that huge spider's coming for me. And he starts freaking. And I'm looking. I'm like, stop moving. And he jumps off. No joke. Like he was almost in tears. He jumped off. He was screaming. So I calmly looked at Max after the thing had kind of fallen into the water. I said, Max, tonight when you go to sleep, I'm putting spiders in your bed. <laughs> Worst dad ever. Uh, my son was literally in tears because his dad threatened to put spiders in his bed. Uh, I have a neighbor, his name is Dave, and Dave comes to TLC. And Dave, Dave told me once, he said, uh, Torn, I really like the fact that I come to TLC because every time you tell a story about fatherhood, it makes me feel so much better about the way that I parent my kids. So Dave, that one's for you. Uh, I did go to Max later on uh, that evening and I apologized to him and I said, buddy, I am so sorry. Uh, daddy got angry and daddy sinned in his anger and I would never put spiders in your bed and will you please forgive me? And Max, of course, forgave me. It was great. Uh, I was really, really grateful for that uh, moment. But the truth is, is we're all afraid of things, right? All of us have things that we're kind of uh, worried about. Uh, what I want you to do right now is take a second, and uh, I want you to just type in your comments, what are some things that you're afraid of, okay? What are some things that you're afraid of? If you're on Facebook, if, if you're on Church Online with us, just go to the comments, type it in. If you're not on Facebook or, or Church Online, you're just with your family or with some roommates or something, tell them, like, all right, what are the things that you're afraid of? I'm going to give you a second to go ahead and do that. Uh, I've got uh, a number of my own fears. I, I will not lie. Uh, there's, some, there's some things that I've, like, I've shared with you. I'm afraid of heights before. But uh, growing up, like, I, was, I was legit afraid of the dark. Okay? I don't like it when it's dark. Even now, I think all of us kind of have a little bit of an underlying fear of the dark. Uh, I hate like scary movies. Like I don't even like watching 
commercials for horror movies, like the thought of like evil stuff, like it just kind of freaks me out. Uh, there are some funny things that certain people are afraid of, or at least, I don't know, they're not funny to them, but they're funny to me. Uh, one of those, you know, some people are actually afraid of mailboxes. True story. Like, they go to put their hand in, and they're, like, afraid the mailbox is going to, like, close on them or something, which I suppose if that was your mailbox, you might be a little bit afraid of that thing chopping down on you. But uh, other people are afraid of things like string, uh, elevators. Uh, people actually are afraid of moths. Uh, some people are actually afraid of balloons. Like, I think they're afraid that they're going to pop, or maybe it's the sounds that they I don't even know what it is, but... All of us are afraid of various things, right? Uh, sheep actually get scared at almost anything. Uh, sheep will, will freak out. And the reason that sheep get afraid of almost anything and everything is because sheep are vulnerable, man. They don't have a whole lot of ways to protect themselves. And so uh, that will freak them out. And, and we're often the same way as humans. Like when we feel vulnerable, we get scared as well. It's human nature to fear pain. It's human nature to, to fear death. Right? We fear death because death is genuinely unnatural. So that's why we fight for life. You know, the whole, you know, fight or flight mentality. Like, that's a natural thing. Uh, David understood this. David as a shepherd. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I'd love you to open up to Psalm 23. We're going to be looking at the fourth verse this morning. Uh, and, and it's a massively important verse. Not only does it find itself in the middle of the psalm, but it actually speaks to some very core issues in our own hearts and lives. Um, anything that we are afraid of, we try to avoid, right? And if we can't avoid it, then, then we try to, to fight it. It gets back to the whole fight or flight. And so David penned these words in Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. Uh, David said, even though, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Even though, now I think that that word, or words I should say, even though are like heavy right now. They feel so weighty to me right now. With everything that's kind of going on in the last few months with COVID, and then in the last week and a half with everything happening with George Floyd and the stuff that came out with about Ahmaud uh, Arbery and, and Breonna Taylor, like those are just a few of the names that, that we could speak right now. And, and, and the idea of saying, even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though just feels heavy. With everything that's going on in our world, even though, like how, how do I say even though? How, how do you say even though, how, how does a, a, a kid in Cambodia who's being sold into slavery say, even though? What about an orphan in India? What, what about somebody who just had their entire life savings bankrupted because the business that they had given their blood, sweat, and tears to has now gone because of this whole COVID-19? How do they say, even though? Even worse, how does, 
How does our black and brown brothers and sisters say, even though, in the midst of everything that's been going on? Those words to me feel so weighty, so heavy. Even though, irregardless, I guess the word is actually regardless, not irregardless, but you get my flavor, right? You get what I'm saying. No matter what, I can walk through the darkest valleys and fear no evil, even though. Back in uh, 2004, Kanye West actually came out with his first album, and on that album had one of his most famous songs, a song called Jesus Walks, and he actually uses this verse from Psalm 23 as, as kind of the, the impetus for the entire song. He actually quotes a part of Psalm 23, verse 4. And, and the lyrics that he writes about are, are still relevant. In fact, they feel even more relevant some 16 years later than even when he first wrote them with everything that's going on. And so I, I actually want us to listen to uh, the first minute and a half of the song. It's, uh, it's a clean version of the song, and I'm going to put the clean lyrics up on the screen for you to follow along with. But I want you to understand that uh, you'll still know what he was saying in the not clean version. And then I want us to talk about what, what is Kanye saying when he's talking about this verse, Psalm 23, verse 4. Let's go ahead and give it a listen. The Midwest is young and restless, restless, might snatch your necklace, the next these might jack your Lexus, somebody tell these who Kanye West is, I walk through the valley of the shower, death is, top floor, if you alone or leave you breathless, <gasps> try to catch it, it's kinda hard getting choked by the Texas, yeah, yeah, now check the method, they be asking us questions, harassing, arrest us, saying we eat pieces of like you for breakfast, huh, y'all eat pieces of what's the basis, we ain't going nowhere but got suits and cases A trunk full of coke, rental car from Avis My mama used to say only Jesus could save us Well mama, I know I act the fool But I'll be gone to November, I got packs to move I hope God show me the way because the devil's trying to break me down The only thing that I pray is that my feet don't fail me I could do now to right my wrongs. I want to talk to God, but I'm afraid because we ain't spoken so long. West actually starts off the song by saying, We're at war with terrorists, we're at war with racism. And then he says, We're at war with ourselves. Now, I think this might be one of the most prophetic moments in this entire song. Uh, West in the song talks about black on black violence. He talks about systemic oppression and police brutality and, and, and dealing drugs. And West talks about death. In fact, he quotes Psalm 23, 4, at least the first half of it. He says, this is the valley of the shadow of death. But he actually says, uh, this is the valley of Shy, referring to Shy town Chicago, where he's from. And he says, this is the valley of Shy where death is. Like that's his reality. That's the reality that he knows, that he understands, that he sees, that he lives. He feels like he's walking in the valley right now. 
And he's wondering, like, is God there? Where is, where is Jesus? Uh, West can't actually finish the end of verse 4 because it, he's still fearing evil, right? Because the text says, even though, those heavy words right there, I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Conedus says, you're like, I'm in the dark valley, the place that death lives and exists. That feels like his existence. He, he can't finish it because even though he knows God is there, he knows he's not currently walking with God. You see, it's one thing to know God, it's, uh, uh, excuse me, know about God. It's a whole nother thing to actually know him. And Wes knew all about Jesus even back in 04. He even says his mama told him about him. But it wasn't until many years later that uh, West actually got to know Jesus, uh, beginning to transform Kanye's life. But there's some powerful moments in that song, talking about how he can't catch his breath. The things that we've been experiencing as a nation with what happened with George Floyd and our collective pain. In the song, Kanye is willing to send, excuse me, not send, sell his soul for things like money and fame and, 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 and coke, and, but he's not quite willing to sell his soul to God, at least not yet. So how do we not fear those valleys, the valleys that Kanye is talking about, the places where death live and reside, and, and, and that Kanye is actually in 2004 still feeling that fear? How do we not fear those valleys? How, how do we not fear those shadows, that evil, that death? How is it that we can say, even though? How can we say, even though? There is only one way. <laughs> and what I'm about to say, it's not going to seem very sexy. It's not real cool. Uh, it's not going to win you any points with society. It's not going to make you sound more woke. It's not going to win you any new friends the way to not fear, the way to be able to say even though, is to die. That's the way. You have to die. The only way to no longer fear death is to already be dead. The only way to be with God in the valley so that you can say even though is to have died to self, and to live for Christ. If you have your Bibles, I want you to flip into the New Testament with me from Psalm 23 over to John chapter 12. Jesus talked about this so clearly. And yet what Jesus says is one of the most difficult things for us to actually do. John chapter 12, starting in verse 23. Jesus is predicting his death to his disciples, and it says, uh, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. See, what's happening in this context is there's some, some Greek-speaking Jews who have come with some other Greek people, we think, to talk to Jesus and basically say, Jesus, you got to get out of Jerusalem, man. You, you're about to be killed, bro. They kind of want to take him back to where they're from so that he can continue on his ministry. And Jesus says, look, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, 
it remains only a single seed, but, but if it dies, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loses their life, or excuse me, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Jesus said, whoever serves me must follow me. What is Jesus talking about? What does he mean, you got to follow me? What's he referring to? It's pretty obvious even in this context, but let's hear Jesus spell it out even more clearly. Flip back just a, a couple of books to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, he says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Whoever wants to save their life is going to lose it, but whoever will lose their life for me will find it. Jesus says you got to take up your cross. You want to know how to be able to say even though? Whatever the valley of death looks like for you, whatever difficulties you might be experiencing, anxiety you have, the fear that we have, right? Because fear draws us. It makes us do crazy stuff. When we're afraid, we either run or we fight. But that's not what David lays out. David doesn't lay out fear as a fight or flight mentality. David says, even though... I walk through the valley of darkness. I don't fear evil. Why? Because God is with him. Jesus explains, look, if you want to know what it means to have God with you, it means you got to die to self and live for Christ. Back in 04, Kanye couldn't say that he wasn't afraid of evil. He, he was. You could tell it all throughout the song. He's wondering, look, is, is Jesus really going to be with me? But he's still not willing to fully give himself over. Now, Kanye is writing songs about Christ. Kanye will say, like, that's the only one that I bow to is Jesus. Uh, the late philosopher, Dr. Dallas Willard, he, he actually says this. He says, uh, you may often find yourself saying the world has gone mad. And it has. But it is also functioning just as we should expect, given its estrangement from God. The chaos of the world we live in reflects the chaos of the untethered and uncrucified self. Look, when there's no death to self, then there is fear of death. And fear of death leads us to do all kinds of crazy things, all kinds of terrible things. It is in the fear of death that we find that violence to one another, systemic injustice and oppression, hatred, mistrust, selfishness, right? The overwhelming thirst for power, like all of those things find themselves being wrapped up in the fear of death. Willard continues, he says, this is our world and ourselves in a nutshell. He says, 
If you ask yourself why people do the things they do, why they engage in the kinds of destructive behavior that goes viral on YouTube, he says it is because they have decided that they must have their way. Someone's will gets crossed. That someone becomes angry, which is the normal fleshly response towards those who have interfered with our will. That anger is transformed into the hunger for revenge, and soon a body lies dead on the street. All because someone didn't get what they wanted. It is not a fun thing to proclaim that we must die to self. It doesn't win us new friends. It doesn't make us look cool. But it is the difference maker for those that actually want to change the world. Dying to self is the antidote to the fear of death. Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul understood this. Grab your Bible and flip over. I'm going to have a couple of verses up on the screen, but then I'm going to flip through a few more, so you're going to want to follow along in your Bible. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start reading in verse 17. Paul says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts, having lost all sensitivity. It feels like that right now, doesn't it? It feels like our world has lost all sensitivity. We, 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 we got some that look around and say, how, how, how can this happen to a George Floyd or, or a Breonna Taylor? Like, how, how, how can that happen? How can what happened to a Maude Arbery, how, how is that possible? And you've got others that are like, how, how is it possible that, that rioting and, and looting is taking place? How is that possible? Like, folks all over the place, right? Because when we look around in the world, it feels exactly like Paul is saying. We've lost all sensitivity. He goes on, he says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to the sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Now that word sensuality there, that's what Paul is talking about in this context. But Paul could very easily, and you and I could very easily exchange that word for uh, they have lost or losing all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to violence or they have given themselves over to selfishness or racism or hatred or corruption. You could fill in any word there that is a sin that begins in the heart of a man. Paul says, look, we got to put off the old self. We got to put on the new self. We got to die to ourselves to live for Christ. That's what he actually goes on to. This won't be on your screen, but just kind of follow it down along with me. Look what he says in 24. You got to put off the old self, put on the new self. Verse 25, he says, in your anger, do not sin. Notice he doesn't say don't get angry. He just says, in your anger, do not sin. Verse 29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. You had any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth in the last two months, three months, in the last week? A lot of us have. He says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen. 
Verse 31, he says, get rid of all bitterness and rage, anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. He's like, look, you can't let that stuff fester in your hearts. Instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ in God forgave you. That can only happen when we die to ourselves. When we come alive in Christ. He says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Do you hear that? Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is exactly why we don't fight for our own will. Why we don't protest for ourselves. Why we don't spend our strength on the things that we want. Who you fight for is of utmost importance. Hear that. Who you fight for is of utmost importance. I'm about to say something that's probably going to sound a little controversial. And I'm okay with that. If you fight for yourself, it means that you haven't died yet. If you fight for yourself, it means you haven't died yet. If you've died and been raised with Christ, then you fight for the things that Christ fought for. And you don't fight for yourself, you fight for others. Uh, Last week, uh, my wife and I, along with our four kids and a number of other friends and families from TLC, joined the peaceful protest march. Uh, That's not what I wanted to do on a beautiful Saturday evening. Uh, I actually knew that it was probably uh, going to cost me something. I knew that I had, had some friends that were probably going to question my motives, some that were probably going to question my actions, some that would even probably question my leadership. And in that moment, I had to ask myself, am I going to live for myself or am I going to die to myself and live for Christ? Now, hear me loud and clear. What What it cost me to go and march with my brothers and sisters, with my black skin and brown skin and white skin brothers and sisters, to stand up against some of the injustices that are happening in our society, that didn't cost me very much. The the, the cost was minor. The sacrifice was small. It was nothing like what Christ did, but it's even in those small costs that we have to say, am I willing to lay it down? Will I lay down my life? That march wasn't going to benefit me personally, but it was going to benefit pastors in our city that I love. It was going to benefit my wife and her brown skin and my kids and their brown skin and my son and his black skin and my brother and his black skin. But it wasn't just about me. It wasn't going to benefit me. But friends, if we're going to follow Christ, if we're going to be able to say, even though I walk through the darkest valley, then we must die to self and live in Christ. Uh, Willard said this, he said, the crucifixion crucifixion of the self is a cooperative affair between us and the Lord. We cannot die to self without the help of God's grace for only God can satisfy our ultimate desire and only God can convince our hearts that when we die to self, he will raise us up with him. Crucifixion is an interesting thing. 
You cannot do it alone. We can only do it in concert with the help of the Spirit. You cannot die to yourself alone. You can only do it in concert with the work of the Spirit. But when we learn to die to self, that is when we can say, even though. And I don't care where you've been, what you've been feeling, what side of the issues you find yourself on, what you think politically, I'm saying this. The call to death to self is the call to life. Friends, if you really want to change the world, and I hope you do, then take up your cross. If you want to change the world, learn to die and then live again for others. Guys, thanks for listening in. Uh, This passage continues to break my heart. Uh, I'm a guy who would probably rather fight than die. And I've often been a guy who would rather run than die. But the call for you and I as followers of Jesus is to lay down our lives and pick up the life of Christ. Carry our cross. Let's do it together. Father God, thank you for Christ who set the ultimate example. Let us walk in the way of love. Jesus, help us to lose our lives, to die to ourselves so that we can find life, true life, real life, full life, a life that is not afraid of the valley of shadows. It's not afraid of evil because you are with us. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.